All right. Good morning. You've heard the old expression, only a face a mother can love? Well, that's not necessarily true. Because even my mother couldn't love my voice. Y'all, I'm over here like, holy! It's bad. Man, it's so bad. Only God could love that. Whew. It's good stuff. Straight out of storage this morning. I'm telling you, this is, this is raw. This is real right here. Look at that. That's nasty. I don't even know what's in here. I just, I, I made sure, I looked long enough to see us the right one. Ho-ho! Racquetball. Hey, I, I, I can play some racquetball. As long as you don't know what you're doing, I could play some racquetball. Y'all, I got, a, I got a, a, a friend in here. Her name is Kathy Lake. Doubles champion of the state of Oregon. Woo! She can probably still kick my butt. I love to play. I haven't played in years. You know what's interesting? Uh, so when I put this in this storage bin for the last time, it was never so that I would never use it again. Because that would be silly to put something in storage just so that you can store it and never use it. Would never be a multi-billion dollar business in the United States. Man, I love playing racquetball. I haven't played in forever. On a scale from one to ten, I'm a four and a half at tennis. This is the Wilson Hammer. Man, I haven't played forever. I have no idea when's the last time I used this. The grip is like on my hands now. It'll be there all day. You know, when I put this, when I put this in, and I, man, I, I love to play tennis. My feet hurt too bad for that now. I, I never put this in storage thinking, it's the last time I'll ever use this. I wonder how many times we've done something that was the last time we ever did it. When do you ever tell yourself, you know? Like, the only time you ever know that this is the last time you'll do something, it's a very emotional thing. Everything else just kind of slips into the distance, doesn't it? Like, your last day of high school, you were like, got to pull that fire alarm. It's my last time. I'll never get this chance again. But, but your tennis racket, how many of y'all have a tennis racket in storage somewhere? Some of you are like, I never fooled with that. I don't even know what else is in here. Dusty, I'm just leaving this all on the stage too. Not even, not even going to get it. Got some stuff. I got, this is my wife's racket. Some stuff for black powder hunting. I don't even know what the, Heat of seat. I should have used this. I didn't know it was in there. You know, it was interesting. These are, this, this represents things that I love to do. And I don't do. And I never knew when it was going to be the last time. 
You know, I never intended, I never intended for it to be the last time. Maybe one day, maybe one day I'll teach my kids how to play tennis and then we'll do it. You know, it'll be, it'll be a thing again. But as far as I know, I'll never do it again. And I never knew that it was the last time when it was the last time. We live in a culture where people are going to church for the last time. They don't know it's the last time. We live in a culture where people will crack open their Bible for the last time. And they don't know it's the last time. We always intend to get back around to it someday. We live in a place where a man will pray with his wife for the last time. Never know it's the last time. Where we will get on our knees to say our prayers before bedtime. It doesn't have to be like that. But when's the last time you got on your knees before bed and prayed? You didn't know it was the last time when it was the last time. You don't know it's the last time unless somebody comes and tells you, unless you do something different, this will be the last time. And there was that, like that happened somewhere in the Bible. Last week we talked about uh, things that you need to know from stories that you don't know. This week is no different. I like pulling out some obscure stories because some of you were inspired to go and read uh, through 1 Samuel last week. And it's fascinating. Like it's, it's not just, just that the Holy Spirit will teach you and it will change your life. Like it's a good book even if it were just fiction. It would be entertaining. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm reading this and this happened and I'm pulling so much from it. I love that. I love that. So maybe, maybe this will inspire you uh, today as well. So a little bit of an obscure story. I don't actually like to talk about this story because it's so, it's one of those, you hear people say, oh, th- this happened on a, on, in biblical proportions, you know. It just means like it was really big. It was really powerful. And this is one of those stories. This is where the Bible kind of gets a rap like, listen, some stuff happens and not supposed to happen. This is one of those stories. I don't really like to talk about it uh, just because in my mind, uh, in my mind, this is a, a room full of atheists. I prepare every sermon with non-believers in mind because you guys know that that's my background, the skepticism. So, to pull out something like this is just so far out of the realm of something that could happen without supernatural power uh, that it's, it's hard for me to talk about. But, but I'll get over myself today, and I'm going to tell you a really cool story and, and what it means. Do you understand that all the stories in the Bible mean something? Okay, here we go. I've got to give you a little prerequisite knowledge before we get there. On the, so hang on back there on the computer. So you guys know that the Bible's in two sections, Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament is the story of God creating the world, choosing His people, promising that one day a Messiah, a Savior, will come to lead them out of their sin and back to God because they were separated from God in the Garden of Eden, right? And so uh, He gives them a law to live by and all these things, but He promises that this Messiah would come and there would be a new law, a new covenant, a new uh, a testament. That is the separation in the New and Old Testament. The New Testament was when Jesus comes and gives us a new law. The Old Testament is the Old Testament. But God is the same throughout the whole thing. We're going to be in the Old Testament today in 1 Kings, but I've got to catch you up. See, uh, Adam and Eve sin, and then uh, sin just goes 
rampant, goes wild, and then we have the whole ark experience where uh, God is grieved that he made man, and so he wipes them out, minus Noah and his family. They begin to, to uh, renew the earth, to repopulate the earth, and so uh, that goes well for a very short time, just as it does in our own lives, so careful before you throw stones. And the people begin to sin again, and so God will... Um, uh, God will eventually allow them to be taken captive and made slaves in Egypt until they will turn back to him. When they turn back to him, he sends Moses to bring them out of Egypt. Moses brings them out of Egypt into the promised land. That's a whole thing, by the way. Like that is your, your life. That is a, actually a picture of Jesus because Moses hands the baton over to Joshua. Joshua's name in Hebrew is Yeshua. Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua. It's a whole thing. So, uh, Moses takes the people into the promised land. When they get to the promised land, Joshua is in, in charge. And so he, he tells the people, he sets them in a valley between two mountains. And he says, choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Right? It's this, it's this big speech. And so uh, from there, the people just will, will, will go towards God and then they will turn and they will run from God. And God will allow them, allow something bad to happen that will turn them back towards God. And they will do that until they get bored with doing the right thing. And I mean, it's just, okay? It is over and over and over and over and over. And it is the picture not only of the church, not only of the Jews, it is a picture of your life. Am I right? The closest you've ever been to God was when you really needed Him, right? The very thing that we argue about, God, God, why would you allow this to happen? Oh, God, thank you that that happened because now we're closer. And it just, right? So, so these are the things that, that happens, but this is one of those times. Now, uh, so you go all the way from, uh, uh, there's uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. So Joshua and Judges is a picture of this. Right? A judge will bring them back. And then you have the, the last judge, Samuel. We talked about him last week. And he, he's bringing the people back to God. And, and then Samuel dies, and you get into this realm. They go from judges to kings. They, the, Israel begins to get kings. And so all of these kings come, and they have some good kings, but mostly <laughs> it ain't good. There was one king in particular who was evil, but he was a saint in comparison to his wife. We call her Jezebel. Anybody in here named Jezebel? Nope. Anybody in here got uh, cattle? You ever name one of them Jezebel? Exactly. You're like, I've heard that before. Yeah, that's the cow your dad was hitting with a fence post. So there's a reason for that, because Jezebel was extraordinarily wicked. In fact, she, she wasn't just like, you're, you're, you're thinking culture. You're like, oh, she was a nag. She just, no, no, no. She rounded up all of God's priests and had them murdered. She was extraordinarily, exceedingly wicked. And her husband, the king, Ahab, was pretty defenseless against her. Whatever she wanted to do, he pretty well did. In fact, the only stories we have of them is he'll have a problem and he'll go crying to her, and then she'll murder a bunch of people and fix it. And he's like, oh, goody, you know. This was just kind of their relationship. And so uh, she's murdering all of 
God's people, all of the prophets, all of the priests, she's having them murdered. They're having to hide out. They are, there is no refugee camp. They're in caves somewhere. But there is a prophet named Elijah. And God speaks through Elijah. And he tells the people, you are not only going away from God, but you are following Jezebel. Because Jezebel is like, no, this Hebrew God, no. The God of Israel, no. What we're going to worship is Baal. Now, there, was, there are these gods in the Middle East, uh, and they are, they are a couple, uh, Baal and Asherah. And they are weather gods, but really Asherah, it'd, it'd be a lot like uh, if you're familiar with any mythology like Aphrodite. Or, you know, just, just somebody who's very uh, sexual. And so people were drawn to worship her because worship was very involved. Now, <laughs> Jezebel was leading everyone to Baal. And so they had the prophets of Baal. And she had 450 prophets at hand for Baal. But there was none to be found for the Lord, minus one. So he comes, Elijah comes, and he says, until all these things happen, and I'm making a long story short, it will not rain on the earth. And so they go literally years without rain. And the people are getting desperate. And now Ahab has put out a manhunt for Elijah, which is, which is kind of like, Ahab, you think Elijah made it not rain? Because he's just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm serious. I'm just telling you what this says. Don't shoot the messenger, okay? But they're, they're searching for Elijah. They're searching everywhere. And finally, one day, a guy finds him. Now, in secret, this guy has actually been hiding Christians. But he still works for Ahab. And he meets Elijah, and he's like, you got to come back with me. If you don't come back with me, I'm going to get murdered. And Elijah sets up a meeting with Ahab. Everybody good? Here we go. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20. Nobody expects you to be a scholar. All the scripture be on the screen. Follow with me in your Bible if you want. Uh, I would love that. But all the scripture will be here. If you don't have a Bible, we have them for free uh, in the foyer. Maybe your Bible is... Mm-hmm. And you never intended that to be the last time you read it? Listen, grab one. It is our joy for you to take one of those. We just want you to read it. you got a note section on your card. I want you to take down a few notes today. I write down 1 Corinthians 18. I want you to just read the story. It is it's awesome. Now, so Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets at Mount Carmel. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. Now we've got to start right there. So here's your big idea. I've got, I got two big takeaways. So I want you to write this one down. How long will you waver between two opinions? And we do it. And this is not me casting stones at anyone because I do it too. And at some point, church, we've got 
to choose. Because we cannot serve both God and man. We can't serve both God and money. At some point, I've got to choose. Now, I want you to make an educated decision. I don't do a lot of emotional presentations where we get you to come down and receive Jesus up here at the front. Why? Because I want you to make an educated decision. I get you to write stuff on your connection card, and many of you I've called, and we have a conversation during the week because I don't want you to do something that you will not hold up to or regret. Don't make false promises to God. But at some point, you've you've heard enough, you've seen enough, you know enough that God is saying, how long will you waver? Is it me or not? This happens. Read Romans 1. I want you to write that down as well. Understand that in Romans 1, God says at some point, you will deny him so many times that he will give you over to what the Bible, we translate this into English as either a reprobate or a debased mind. In other words, you are void of God. In the same way that if we took out the sun, what would we have? Just cold. What would, you, what would you not do that you do now if Jesus were in your home with you? Well, I don't like that question, Pastor, because, listen, nobody would have kids. And nobody, yeah, I get it. I get it. That's, it's, it's a little bit of an unfair question. But if you had the knowledge that the Holy Spirit was with you at all times, how many of, things, of the things that we do would we not do? And this is, this is why it's important. It's super important to be opus, uh, open. I'm, I'm really transparent with you guys. I don't have, to my, sin, to, to, to my sins, to my sins, I don't have, to my knowledge, sins that I haven't confessed. I didn't say I don't have sin. I don't have sins that I haven't confessed. It's, it's important for me to be open with you. I talk all the time. I got, I got, some, I got anger issues. Okay. I, I've, 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 I'm really open with you guys that I'm a skeptic at heart. It's been hard for me to, to believe. And I've told you my journey of faith. I want you to know that this is not about me. I'm only revealing to you God's Word, okay, which is, which is what I want you to go and do. But we've got to try to live this, and we can't live a double standard life because God will not have it. He literally says in Revelation that he will spew out of his mouth when cold and hot come together. We say one thing, but we do another. And, and what this leads to, I went to church and preacher told me I'm just going to hell. He's up there judging us all. No, please do not think that's what today is about. I, I, I think that you want to be close to God. And I think that if you have unconfessed sin in your life, that you will want to be close to God and never get there, and it will frustrate you. I don't want you to be frustrated. I want you to be effective. I don't want you to be cold because you think that it's not working. I want you to be informed so that you can choose God and then see what happens when we go His way. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. But we cannot waver between opinions. I wonder, I wonder if this isn't the reason that Jesus made us human first. To show that we value Him enough to seek Him instead of put Him in storage and pick other priorities. 
you realize that's the point in your, in, in your life, right? God could have skipped this whole human thing. We could have just gone and been with him, okay? But understand, that's a marriage. Before you have a marriage, you have to have dating. That's why you're here. You're on a date. If you're a dude, that's a little weird. I get it. But God is courting you. He wants to show you that he is better than what that other guy has to offer. And kind of can't be dating both. See? Now, Baal was, like I said, a weather god, which is why Elijah went and said, it will not rain, because God's flexing on this other dude. God caused a two-year drought, so that's why they're looking for Elijah. And they got to see, don't miss this part, they got to see how it's working with Baal. You want to date Baal? Date Baal. But when you get abused, <laughs> right? You want to date Baal? Date Baal. But see how that goes for you. And this is why God says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he said, listen, if you want to follow the world, if you want to follow Satan, okay. But understand that the faithful husband, that the one who is slow to anger, is still waiting for you. And when you realize that, that's when we realize our own depravity, God. It's like, oh my gosh, I've cheated on you, God. I don't. And we feel bad about our, ourselves. And he knew who you were when he made you. And he's long-suffering. He's, he's not quick to temper. He's not sitting in his truck outside your driveway looking, that ain't my truck in her drive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? God is waiting on you to choose him. That's what all of this is about. And why did the people, after two years of drought, go, wait a minute. If we're sacrificing to a weather god, but it won't rain, maybe. <laughs> you know? Okay, and so we look at them like, you fools. But then, meanwhile, back at the ranch... Why? Why is all this happening to me? <laughs> well, who are you serving? Oh, who are you who are you worshiping? So if if they want to worship Bell, they go worship Bell and see how that goes for you. Here's my question to everyone, and again, this is not out of piety at all. How's it working for you? If it's not working, church, we've got to start getting some stuff out because we can't serve both God and man. We can't be dating Jesus and the world. So it's like, man, I just, you know, it's like I take one step forward and two steps back. It's because you take one step to Jesus and then two steps back to your old fling. And we've all done it. 
First Kings 18.22. Let's see how this turns out. Then Elijah said to the people, this is awesome, by the way. I need you to hang with me. I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us. There to choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. I will prepare the other bull and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. Then you call on the name of your God, and I'll call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers with fire. He is God. You get that? He's like, you set up a bull, I'll set up a bull, don't light it. We'll both call on our gods to light it, and whoever catches on fire, that's God. All the people answered, that's fine. <laughs> I love that translation. <laughs> but this is interesting because these guys are, are in years of a drought. How are they so confident? Like we've never actually seen Baal do much. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that Satan had probably done some things to allow them to see enough to believe in this. In Egypt, Moses brings the people out of Egypt. Moses puts the staff in the water, and the Nile turns to blood. The Egyptians also took some water and turned it into blood. I mean, Satan has power. I'm not saying they're dumb and that they had never seen anything in the name of Baal, but I'm telling you the weather god can't handle the weather. But yet they're like, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, we think fire's going to come out of heaven. Let's do it. How are they so confident? I have a theory. I don't want to put anything in the Bible that's not there, but I have a theory. I think because there's 450 priests and they're feeding off of each other. And I think that we look back and we go, how could I have been so stupid? Because you are in a country with 350 million people doing the exact same thing. Right? And so it may not make sense. It may not work. But they're strength in numbers, baby. Let's keep ramrodding this thing till it goes through. It's not going. It doesn't work. It doesn't matter how many people you add onto it. It doesn't work. So, Satan wants you to hide in the normal, and that's why he tries to normalize sin. Satan wants you to hide in the normal, so this is why he normalizes sin. Also, I need you to get this. Why a bull? See, this means nothing to you in here unless you're a Jew, of which there's only one in here that I know of. But... A bull wasn't just this willy-nilly like, ah, give me a... A bull, yeah, that'll work. He very intentionally chose a bull because in the old covenant or the old law, a bull was a sin offering. So if you've made a sin, you sacrifice a bull. Why a bull? Because a bull is uh, is strength. A bull is expensive. You can't overcome your sin... (laughs) no one can and so something stronger than you has to come and pay something more expensive has to come and pay for your sin and so they would slaughter a bull and this bull would pay for their sin and so when he says you sacrifice a bull i'll sacrifice a bull and we'll see which bull burns up he's saying you lay out your sin i'll lay out my sin and we'll see who's forgiven okay so it's not just like tell you what God's going to do a trick, and then he just is looking around like, ah. First of all, turn those leaves into popcorn. Want a Pop-Tart out of this rock. No, there's a point. There's a point to a bull, and there's a point for him choosing bulls, okay? So, whoever's bull is accepted, that means that God covers their sin. Are you ready? Because this gets wild. 
Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, I'm in verse 25. Thank you so much back there. Since you are so numerous, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. Then call in the name of your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bull that he gave them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us. But there was no sound. No one answered. Then they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, some of you are going to take this too far, okay? This is not permission to talk trash at a basketball game. Then at noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, shout loudly, for he's a god. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he has wandered away, or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he's sleeping and will wake up. They shouted loudly and cut themselves. It doesn't just say he's away. It says he's in the bathroom. Elijah's talking trash from the sidelines. Hey, guys, louder, louder. I better hear you if you're louder. Maybe he's away. Maybe he's in the bathroom. He is agging it on because God's people are watching. They shouted loudly and cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed all over them. All afternoon they kept on raving until the offering of evening sacrifice, but there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to the people, come near me. So all the people approached him. Then he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones. There was 12 tribes in Israel. This is the Israelite people. He's taking a stone for each tribe. Why? Because he's about to place the sin offering on the 12 stones. He's asking for forgiveness for the people. This is not Elijah versus everyone else. This is God versus Baal. You will find that the people are going to find forgiveness. It is the prophets of Baal who will be punished. The people sinned, but there is forgiveness for them. That's why the 12 stones are there, because the altar is on top of all the people. The sin offering of the people is going to be accepted. Okay, According to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel will be your name. And he built an altar with the stones in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about four gallons. Next he arranged the wood, cut up the bull, placed it on the wood. He said, fill four water pots. Uh, pots and with, wa- with water and pour it on the offering to be burned and, all, uh, and on the wood. I don't know why I can't read. 34. Then he said a second time, and they did it a second time. And then he said a third time, and they did it a third time. So the altar ran all ar- uh, water ran all around the altar. He even filled the trench with water. At the time for offering the evening sacrifice, the prophet Elijah approached the altar and said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that at your word I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that this people will know that you, the Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Not to punish the people, to turn the hearts of the people back. Verse 38, Then the Lord's fire fell, and it consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. I've got to tell you that before this, they had seen miraculous things and went to Baal. After this, they will see miraculous things and they will go back to Baal again. You will see miracles. You will see God do things. God will rescue you out of your sin. God will accept your sin offering just for you to turn around 
and do it again. And this is the point in the water on the sin offering. Because God keeps accepting the sin offering. Why did he make it wet? Just to show off? It's a point. You can't get wet enough that God can't take the sin. You can't get so inflammable, if that's a word, that God can't burn up the dross. You can't get so far from God as a people, the whole nation. They're all serving Baal. Elijah's the only one left, and the people are forgiven. You can't get that far. Can I get an amen from any old people who just started serving God? Stand up. If you're old, you say, I'm old, and I just started serving God, and he's forgiven it all. Lifetimes. Lifetimes to accumulate our stuff. Pouring water. Pouring water. Just see how wet we can get. How unforgivable can I get? Not that unforgivable. You can't get the wood wet enough that it won't burn. When God wants to forgive it, he takes it. This is not just a willy-nilly miracle. He's making a point. The 12 stones were for the tribes. The people are forgiven. This is not God against the people. This is God turning the hearts of the people back to him. And that is what God wants you to do. He said, listen, you have put me in storage. You got what you wanted. You put me in storage. You don't even know it's there anymore. I want my people to come back to me. How long will you waver between two opinions? Jared, is tennis a good sport? I love to play tennis. Dude, I haven't played tennis in so long. Do you watch it? No. (laughs) No, not at all. No. No, that's boring. Is it a good sport? Yeah. Are you a tennis advocate? Yeah, yeah, it's great. I'll teach my kids. Yeah, it's in storage. I didn't even know where that was until this morning. We put God on a, on, a, on a shelf as something that's good, something that's valuable. Meanwhile, we're out pouring water on the offering. I say this because it leads to frustration. When you wake up and you feel like you're so far gone that you can't be forgiven, you know what I'm saying? That's not a, that's not a great feeling. God is calling his people to himself, but he's not changing his rules. You know what I mean? Listen, when the flood came and there was an ark, there was only one door. You either come in or not. This is the door. How long will you waver between two opinions? Big idea number two, write this one down. You haven't gotten your sin wet enough that God can't redeem you. You haven't gotten that far. Thank you for being brave enough to stand, by the way. You haven't filled the trenches deep enough. You haven't ran far enough. So stop and turn and run back to God because you're in a drought. Bell's not working. ROI, 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 return on investment. Where is it getting you? 
How much time do you have invested into other things than God? How much time? Check your screen time. And listen, I'm not anti-phone. Dude. I got a, it's, it's, it's over there. I got a phone too, okay? But we are spending so much time with, with a, a, a device or, or a thing. It, it, it doesn't have to be evil, but what's it doing for you? What's it getting you? Maybe it is evil. And here's what you have to do about it. I, I want to keep going. First uh, Kings 18.40. Uh, I got to hurry. Then Elijah ordered them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let even one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the Wadi Kishon and slaughtered them there. Hey, this is the Bible. I'm not writing this. Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat, drink, for there is the sound of a rainstorm. And that's all they really wanted. Dude, we are, we are in the gateway of West Texas. You know how important rain is. This is all they wanted was some rain. So worship the rain god. But it didn't work. So then turn to the other god? No. Confess your sins. Do you understand why it was able to rain? It couldn't rain until the people's sins were taken from them. And the people's sins weren't taken from them until their sin offering was accepted. And Elijah put 12 stones representing the people, and he put the bull, the sin offering, on the stones, and it was accepted, and now it can rain. What's the point? If you want to move on, it's going to start with confession. If you want to move on, it's going to start with confession. It's going to start with repentance. I've been doing this a long time. And I can't draw up out of my mind someone who has turned back to God that it didn't start with repenting and confessing. I can't give you that story. And so we say, man, I want this. I want to be close to God. I want these things to happen in my life. I just want it to rain. Repent. We have to do it all the time. I mean, there's, a, there's an original, like, don't get me wrong. There is a, hey, I, I, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. But then how many of you got saved and then you've sinned since then? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we hide that like if God don't know. They're trying to get rain the wrong way. God was after repentance. They tried to get what they wanted. But God got what he wanted. Careful how long you run. Man, if you're stubborn, (laughs) you know what kind of whipping it takes to change your mind? My dad had to experiment. I well know. (laughs) You have a good father who will get a hold of you. And we go, hey, Israel, Chapter 18, is it working for you? And the Lord's going, hey, (laughs) ranger, is it working for you? Repent, confess, turn back to God. We think about this as this thing is like, I've got to admit that I'm a terrible human and I've got to go up and there's a priest in a booth somewhere. Listen, 
You want to end the drought in your life? Repent. What does that look like? First off, you're going to have to own up. Okay? I had a guy tell me, I didn't know exactly what it meant, but he told me a long time ago. He said, dude, if you're going to shoot, shoot. Because if you don't, you won't. I don't know what that means, but I like it. Because <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we're go- you're going to come up and like halfway this. And by come up, I don't mean, I'm not about to start asking people to come up and gonna give you the microphone and confess your sin. That's not how this works. If you're going to shoot, shoot. Because if you don't, you won't. The Holy Spirit is convicting you. Lay it out. Dude, a Christian, somebody who you are accountable to, needs to know. You need to tell the Holy Spirit. You need to have someone who can look you in the eyes that needs to know. Men, you know how I feel about this. Satan wants you to be isolated and think that you're tougher because you're by yourself. The truth is you're weaker because you're by yourself. Can I get an amen, ladies? Help me out. You are weaker by yourself. Think about that. Hey, I'm going to get in a fight. I can fight this guy by himself or these two dudes. Duh. You need somebody. Okay. Church, don't waver between two opinions. Don't try to live your life the way you want, but then be close to God. That's not how it works. I've made this before. I had quite a few takers, uh, but now I want to do this again because hopefully some have been thinking about it and will take me up on this. This goes for everyone. And I'm, I, again, I'm going to lay this out to men because you are the last to seek help. Men, you have things and you're like, you know what? I can, I can confess that and I can repent all day long, but I've tried my dangest to get over it and I can't do it. I know because you tried to do it yourself, that means you never gave it to the Lord. I am offering. I'm not doing this myself. I am offering to hook you up with a man who will be a spiritual mentor to you. Don't waste our time and tell us you're not gonna, that you'll do this and then not do it. That's frustrating. I am offering to put a man in your life who will hold you accountable, somebody that you will have to look in the eyes and be embarrassed to say, I failed again. You need that. Men, you need that. I'm offering to have somebody mentor you. Out of love, say, I've been there, this is how I do it. Hold you accountable to your actions. Teach you how to read and feed yourself through God's Word. You got a connection card, and it's another reason we put these all in the seats in front of you. No, I'm not asking, listen, the last thing I'm going to do to anybody in here is embarrass you, ask you to do any of those things. But you got a connection card. The baskets will come in in a minute. I want you to write something on, I want, I want you to write, I need a mentor. Give me your name and your phone number. I get, I get these quite a bit without like an email address or a phone number, and I'm like, I don't know how to get in hold, a hold of these people. Uh, so put that on there, and I will connect you with a spiritual mentor to help you so that you are no longer stuck in limbo, wavering between two opinions. Two things, hopefully, you wrote down. Uh, The first one, and I'm going to look back so I, I, I can get this exactly right. The first one is this. How long will I waver between two opinions? Okay? 
The second one is this. You haven't gotten your sin wet enough that God can't redeem you. The church feels like redemption, forgiveness is all something that is totally within the realm of what God does. He just does it for someone else. No, it is for you. It's never too late to start. It's never too early to start. And I can't say it any better than Paisley can, okay? So, Paisley, I want you to come up. Kate, would you hand me that microphone there as well? And Paisley's daddy is actually going to be baptizing her today. So I have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand, uh, I, I'll, I'll hand you this in a minute, but church, it is never too early to start, it's never too late to start. Look at the worship team, look at the drums, look at the keyboard, sorry Charlie, that's out of love, okay? <laughs> it ain't too early, it ain't too late. This is Paisley and I'm, I'm stalling, look back over your right shoulder, you see why I'm stalling? She is preaching. This is her, this is her sermon today. Uh, family, if you want to come up or whatever so that you can take pictures up closer, be, be my guest to do that. But uh, Paisley is lit up for Jesus. It is in, it's, it's incredible. And uh, she is coming to you today to say, I will not waver between two opinions. God's opinion is the one that I want. His leadership is the one that I will follow. And so there's a symbol. I know I say this a lot, but there's, there's two symbols that is happening right now. Paisley is going to go underwater, and I'm going to hold her, and I'm going to count to three. I'm going to hold you underwater for three seconds, and you're going to picture your death because Paisley, who's in charge of Paisley, is dead now. But Paisley, where Jesus is in charge, is redeemed, is resurrected, come to life. The old is gone. The new has come. The second is... Your sins are being washed. I, I teased our last baptizee that I had to power wash the tub that last time. But uh, your, your sin stays here. It stays here. So this is just a symbol of what the Holy Spirit is already doing in her life. And if you don't think that the Holy Spirit can work through a child, you haven't met Paisley. Paisley, go ahead and step in the water here. All right, now turn. I want you to face your, your church family. Okay? Awesome. Now, take this. Now, don't drop it. It's kind of expensive. Uh, I'm going to ask you in front of your family, Paisley, have you accepted Jesus in your heart as Lord and Savior? Yes, sir. Okay. Paisley, from this point forward, if there's something that you want, but you know that the Lord doesn't want it for you, who will you choose? The Lord. Okay. All right. Guys, she's already doing that. This is a beautiful picture. And uh, I'm done. I'm handing this over to Dad, and I'll try to hold this in your... You, Jesus spoke over water as a microphone. You do it too. Just sit, sit on your hand right there.
Man.